Well, good morning. Today's April 5th. Happy Sunday. I hope that you're doing well, and I hope that you're enjoying these messages from home. I know I have tried to make the best out of it. You know, for me personally, I have always wanted to do a message in my pajamas, and so today is the day. I know. It's kind of crazy. So, well, today is also Palm Sunday. We're entering Holy Week. If uh, that's something that you are familiar with, it's really a powerful time leading up to Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday, and it's also communion. So um, this is really a a great Sunday that we get to celebrate and really prepare ourselves uh, for what's happening, what God has done through his son, Jesus. And I know that sometimes it might feel a little bit different, difficult, awkward, the fact that we are where we're at in this season, this weird, crazy time that we're in. Um, but I really believe that God is, has something special to speak to us this week. And so if you are uh, listening to this now and you have not yet prepared yourself for communion, I want to encourage you to do so. If you have something that would represent the bread, the body, as well as the cup, um, you know, do your very best. You may not have grape juice. You may not have crackers. Uh, you know, if the best you have is a donut and coffee, then hey, that's what you have. So anyway, hope you enjoy whatever you have in front of you. I happened to uh, run over to the church to see if there was any grape juice, and uh, I figured it was going to go bad anyway. So I went ahead and grabbed it, and it's already fermented. So I'm still going to go ahead and, and, and swallow it down. So anyway, I have my crackers and my grape juice with me, and we're going to take communion together. And I wanted to spend some time really just preparing our hearts this week as we get get ready to head into Easter and, uh, and, and Good Friday being on Sunday. And this might be a part of this message, maybe especially the communion uh, portion. You may want to um, watch again on Friday and you, wanna, you may want to take communion again. But uh, we, I really felt this would be a time for us to really just prepare our hearts, thinking about what Christ had done for us, thinking about the, the death uh, uh, and, and the price that he paid that would really set us up for the resurrection and the new life. And uh, of course, this will come along and, and go right uh, and streamline with the sermon series that we started last week, which was the promises of God. So the Lord makes so many promises, and I talked about how it's so important to learn these promises and learn some promises to kind of give you uh, stabilizers as you go through difficult times, as you go through seasons. And right now, we're about a month into this shelter in place, and we're starting to see more and more stories. Uh, we're starting to hear more and more friends, family members going through difficult times, whether physically, health-wise, uh, maybe some finances. There's lots of different things that are happening. And so if you just you know look at your your phone, your computer, and you see the news, things that are happening right now, of course you're going to be impacted with some of these stories. There's so many different things for us to be burdened about, pray about. But we want to take some time and we want to look to one of the promises of God, I, I really believe, that will establish something in us as we get ready to go through some challenges. So, And if, by the way, if you're not experiencing any challenges, if, you're, if you're, your biggest challenge right now is what should you watch next on Netflix, then you're doing pretty good. But I think that there are uh, quite a few of us that are experiencing some sort of challenge and, and some sort of difficulty. 
And so there's something that I want to remind you of, remind us of this morning. I feel like God would want to remind us of going into uh, this uh, Holy Week, going uh, preparing ourselves for Easter. And it's this, this promise of God is this, is that we will go through times of testing. But guess what? Here's the promise. God is with us in times of testing. God is with us in times of testing. When you go through tribulations, when you go through trials, when you go through difficult times, God is with you. Yeah, our country is going through difficult times right now. Our world is going through difficult times. These are some un- unprecedented times. Uh, these, these things that we're facing and, and, and how we're being impacted. It's not, like nothing that most of us have experienced in our lifetime. Our city is being impacted, our churches, and most likely you are in some way being impacted during this time. And so if you are experiencing some challenge, some difficulty, some sort of loss, a worry, a concern... I want to tell you this, you're not alone. And I say that because first, so many of us are experiencing challenges right now. Just across the board, you know, just about all of us in some way, shape, or form are experiencing some difficulty. But second, you are not alone because God's promise is to be with us and to actually go through the valley with us that we're going through. The dark nights that we experience, the deserts in our lives that we experience. He promises that he will go with us. And so as we're gearing up for Easter, it's only one week away. And, uh, you know, we're probably about to experience an Easter that is different for, for, for us. And it's actually probably going to go down in the history books as a, as a very unique Easter. And as we're uh, getting ready to, um, you know, go into this week, you know, we're so used to, uh, going to church on Easter, dressing up in our, our, our Easter best, having festivities, Easter egg hunts, and, and being with friends and family. We're about to experience something very different. Uh, and, and we're pretty much the majority of our nation, the better parts of our world are, are sheltering place. We're experiencing something different, but that doesn't take away this promise of new life and the new beginnings that God has for us. He doesn't take that away. There's no way that that can be removed from us. Because you know what? One thing is true, that even though the rest of us are sheltering in place, God is not sheltering in place. Yeah, God is actively working. He's actively working in homes and hospitals throughout our world. And with this promise of a new life, this promise of the resurrection, that even though we go through this dark night, it's really preemptive. It's almost even, it's necessary to go through the, the night to prepare ourselves for the, for the morning. It's almost like we have to go through the valley to come up on the other side. It's almost like we have to go through the winter to experience spring. And so it's important for us to talk about, you know, the, the loss. And it's important for us to talk about uh, the challenges and the tribulations. It's even talk about, good for us to talk about the death of Christ so that we can talk about his, his life and how he brings life to us. You see... Um, the death of Christ was preemptive to the resurrection. And here's my point. You know, when we walk through these dark nights personally, when we go through challenges, when we go through tribulations, it's almost like it's necessary to experience, uh, for us to experience his goodness, his miraculous touch. Um, I, you know, I don't like it. I don't like going through difficult times, but it's, 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 it's this comforting part of his promise that he walks with us through these challenging times. It's not like he says, okay, you go through this difficult time and I'll be there for you on the other side. No. When we go through tribulations, when we go through testing, difficult seasons, he goes with us. 
So if you're going through something uh, uh, right now, uh, and, and if you happen to be going through it alone, I want to tell you this, stop. We're not supposed to go through difficult times alone. God is present. God is good. And so reach out to him during this time. Tonight, uh, or this morning, I want to share with you about um, somebody specifically who really shows us this dark night. And it happened right at the time of, uh, you know, right before Jesus' resurrection. In fact, it was the night that he was uh, betrayed by Judas and uh, was, was this person, Peter. Peter was a disciple of Christ. And, you know, he experienced this this testing. He experienced this challenge. He experienced uh, this dark night. And so I wanted to talk about him today. But before we get into to this story, or, or you know, I, I want to just help us to realize, help us to, to recognize that when we go through different times, it, we're, not, we're not alone throughout the Bible. There's so many people that have went through tests and trials and tribulations. So let me share this very uh, small portion of uh, his story. Peter um, it, uh, Jesus says to uh, Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. You see, Simon Peter was about to go through his dark night. And what, it was, what Jesus said was that you're about to be sifted. You're about to be tried. And what ends up happening is God has this, uh, God does something through his experience going through, through this trial and tribulation. So there's a few things that I wanted to point out. We're, we're going to get back to this story about Peter here in a minute. But I wanted to, to encourage us with some scriptures because guess what? Throughout God's word, he tells us and reminds us that we're going to go through tribulations, we're going to go through trials, and he promises to be with us. And so there's different perspectives and ways that we can go about going through these tribulations. Because if you're like me, sometimes I get scared. Sometimes I, I, I start to question. Sometimes I freeze. Sometimes I get angry. But there's actually some really um, important things that we can do or responses that we can have when we go through tests, when we go through some sifting and some trials. So the first one is this. is Number one is that when we go through trials testing and tribulations, the first thing is this, is that we need to learn to trust in his care and his presence. Nahum 1.7 says this, the Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. We have to remember that God is good. He is with us. He is our refuge or our help in times of trouble and difficulty. His care, his hand is what rescues us and supports us and it's for those of us who put our trust in him. Why is it important for us to trust in him? Because trust takes action. You know, if you're getting ready to, you're slipping and getting ready to fall and someone reaches out their hand, you know, you kind of have to let go of what you're holding on to. You have to reach out to trust that person that they're going to help you. You know, that's kind of what this is saying here is that we have to trust in the Lord. And so we have to help take that step to reach out to him. So we have to lean on him and look for support and look for the help of God in whatever circumstance and situation that we go through. So we have to remember that the Lord is good. He's a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him. So the first one is we have to trust in his care and his presence. The second thing is this, is that um, we need to not allow defeat to come inside of us. We need to not allow defeat to enter inside of us. Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9 says this, We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed, 
but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. You see, if you still have breath in your lungs, you still have a fight left in you. Yes, sometimes we get worn out. Sometimes we get a little beat up. Sometimes we trip. Sometimes we fall. Sometimes we get hurt. Sometimes we, 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 we tear up. Sometimes we cry. We get a little bruised. We get a little knocked down. But if you're not dead, then we're still alive. I know that seems a little bit like, well, duh. But sometimes we need to remember that. Hey, if I'm still, if I'm still kicking a little bit here, if I have some breath in my lungs, there's still something in me. There's still a fight in me. And really this, this promise to us, this reminder, is that we aren't destroyed. Yeah, we might get a little bit tripped up, beat up, bruised up, but we're not done. We're not destroyed. And so whatever situation that you're in that might be in your, uh, that you might be going through, we have to realize we're not, we can't let that defeated mentality enter inside of our heads. Be like, oh, there's no use. Oh, I can't, I can't press there. I'm kind of defeated already. No, 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 no. Yeah, you might have gotten a little bit got a little bit worked over, but you're not done yet. You're not defeated. So we have to remember, yeah, we do get hard pressed on every side. We do get, uh, but we're not crushed. We get perplexed, but we're, we're, we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. The third thing is this, and by the way, I have five points. Last week, I only had two, so I figured I'd make up for it, and I have five points, okay? So anyway, th- the third one is this, fear not. Fear not. Even though I walk through the, the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know, we go through difficult times. We go through through our dark valleys, but we must make a choice to not fear. Yeah, I know sometimes it's as difficult. It's almost like, it's like, yeah, right. Like that's easier said than done. But the choice for me is not to like prevent myself from ever fearing, but it's when I do get afraid is to take that fear and just kind of like flush it out or cast it out. It says in God's word the, that the perfect perfect love casts out all fear. That means it tells us that sometimes fear gets inside of us, but we have to do the work of getting it out of us. One of my favorite quotes is that uh, it encourages when you're scared to death, but when you saddle up anyway. I think that's John Wayne that said that. But what that tells me is that we do fear. We do, we do get scared. We do get scared, but we have to choose uh, to not, to, to, to push through or push past that fear and not uh, allow it to, uh, to dictate our decisions or cause us to, to freeze up. So we do walk through darkest valleys. We do walk through difficult times. And God is with us, and so we have to choose to not fear because we know, we have to remind you that He is with me. He's our rod and our staff. They bring comfort. The fourth thing is this. We have to learn to watch over our heart. Yeah, watch over our hearts. Very important when we go through difficult times, testing times. John 14, 1 says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. You know what this means is that we do experience trouble in the land. Yeah, we do. We do experience trouble in our circumstances, our situations, in our environments. We do. Every single one of us. But we can watch over our hearts. Yeah, we can't control our outside world. We can't, we can't always uh, control our environment, but we can watch over our hearts. That our hearts don't become troubled in the midst of trouble. You know, if there's a storm on the outside, my pastor uh, uh, used to always say, you know, whenever there's a, a storm on the outside, you know, you'll be okay as long as you don't let the storm get on the inside. You know what that basically meant? is like, yeah, you can have wind and rain and, and high waves if you're out in a boat, 
and you're going to be fine as long as that storm and that water doesn't get on the inside. Because once the water gets on the inside, that's when you're, you're in trouble. The same is true of our hearts, is that we have to be able to watch over our hearts, protect them. As we go through trying times, tribulations, challenges, external problems, to not allow that storm to come in and fill us up on the inside of our heart. So we have to be careful to not allow the stress and the troubles and the burdens of the world to begin to stack themselves up on the inside of our hearts. That's when we ourselves start to uh, get sunk, so to speak. So do not let your hearts be troubled. Yeah, we experience trouble, but don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And that's Jesus who said that. The fifth thing, and this will be the last point, is that we have to learn to continue to move forward. Yeah, when we go through difficult times, when we go through dark nights, when we go through the valleys, we just kind of have to keep moving, don't we? Isaiah 43, 2 says this, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. You know, there's a couple of key words in there. They say when you pass, you know, or when you walk through. It's important that we uh, realize that we will have to sometimes go through waters. When I think of these waters, I think of some swift currents. It is time that we will have to walk through fires. This is figuratively speaking. But guess what? We have to keep moving because guess what? If you're walking through a swift current and you stop moving, you can get swept away. If you happen to be walking through a fire, I hope, by the way, none of us have to do that, and you just stand there, you can get burned. This imagery tells us that if we freeze or if we stop moving, then we can be overtaken. But what we have to do is we have to walk through these challenges. We have to walk through these problems, not to freeze, not to stop. You see, we have to, we have to walk, we have to move through these difficult times. You know, this actually reminded me of firewalkers. Have you ever heard of or seen a firewalker, maybe on National Geographic or TV or something? Different tribes for many, many years, generations, centuries, have um, actually walked on fire, like hot burning embers, burning coals. I don't know why they do it. I have no desire to walk on coals myself, but I kind of would like to have done it so I can like brag about it you know I don't know why but you know this is it's kind of interesting how sometimes I can look at things that are really like scary and think oh that'd be really cool if I have already done it not have to actually do it but I actually met someone who said that they had actually done this fire walking before they had walked across these hot embers and if you've never seen it before basically what you do is you uh you don't wear any socks or shoes you're barefoot and you walk on these hot embers and I, I, I'm really not sure why people do it, but um, yeah, people people will, will walk across these this these burning coals. And so when my friend who I'd met, and I had asked him about his fire walking experience. Of course, I was re- really impressed. I asked him, "Well, did you get hurt? Did you get burned?" And he said, "Oh, a little bit, but not too bad." And I said, "Really? Like, how did you keep from getting really burned? How, how, did, how did you walk across those?" embers without like getting like scorched and he said well you just keep moving that's pretty interesting but you know the same is true when we go through trouble and difficult times you know if we just kind of like lose our forward progress if we just sort of 
start to feel bad for ourselves and we just sort of stay there. Well, we're just going to get kind of burnt up in that situation or if we're ever kind of swept away, so to speak. But if we keep moving, if we keep taking one step in front of the other, sometimes that's really what it requires is for us to just kind of continue to discipline ourselves, to encourage ourselves to take one small step in front of the other. I don't know about you, but that's been important for me during this last few weeks, just to take things one day at a time, keep moving forward. You know, the truth is, is that we do go through sorrow. We do go through difficult times. We do go through things that cause pain, hurt, tears. But when we go through sorrow, it's always with the promise of joy. I love this scripture, Psalm 30, verse 5. It says this, pain will last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And it reminds me of a famous Daryl Evans song. If you've ever sung it before, I think it's called I'm Trading My Sorrows and that's a real famous line that he actually quotes. It's from Psalm 30, 30, verse 5. Pain lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And it's a good reminder that whenever we're going through something that's difficult, we're going through pain, we can remember, you know, there's joy. There's joy on the other side of what I'm going through. So how do you go through sorrow-filled times? How do you go through painful times? How do you go through difficulties? Well, we have to remember that there's joy in the, in the morning, that there's joy on the other side of trials and tribulations. So the question then is, is when you're going through something difficult, these promises are very good, good things for me to remember, but are there things that I can do? Are there actions that I can take? What activity should I participate in is when I'm going through these difficult things? I've got to go through it. It takes some time. You know, sometimes you don't have control over how long something takes. But what do we do? What are some of the purpose-filled, spiritual activities that will lead us closer to the Lord when we're going through tribulations, trials, and testing. So I guess the question is, is how do you go through tribulations well? And this is where I really wanted to come back to the story of Peter. And I believe that a few days before Easter, the night that Jesus was betrayed, uh, and the night that Peter actually uh, denied knowing Jesus, um, this was actually some, a, a time I feel like we can all learn from Peter. He went through, I think, what I like to call his darkest night. I think one day when we get to heaven and we meet Peter and we can ask him, you know, what was your toughest night when your toughest day when you're on earth? I believe that he would probably would have talked about this night. It was his greatest trial, his biggest test. And so let me go back to that verse. It was really Jesus says that Peter it was basically preparing him uh, to be sifted. And by the way, this conversation, this story is kind of sandwiched, or this conversation was sandwiched in, in, right in between uh, two very critical uh, stories the last um, day before Jesus was arrested. So going back to that conversation, Jesus talks to Peter. He says this, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Here's was Peter's reply. Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison or death. No matter what, I'm with you, Peter. But Jesus answers him, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. Being sifted. What does that mean? Well, you know, what I've learned from this is, you know what? It is not necessarily God, you know, that is doing or causing the valley and the painful experiences that we go through. 
You know, sometimes I, I think it can be one that we, the fact that we live in, in a broken world and that we just go through difficulties, challenges, and pain just because it's the world we live in. And it is true, like you see in this verse right here, that, you know, sometimes that we experience an enemy in our life that wants to cause us problems. He's an agitator. And it is possible that the Lord has us go through difficult times to grow us, to prepare us, to, to train us to for something greater, something ahead for us. So, you know, we can't take every tribulation and blame it on the devil. Jesus did in this and said, hey, you know what? The, uh, the enemy is going to sift you like we, when it comes to our current situation, our circumstance, I don't necessarily think it's the devil that's causing all these problems. I think it's a broken world that we live in. We just have sickness and we have things going on. But, um, but the Lord can use these challenges, no matter if it was the world that we live in, whether it's the devil that caused it, or if it's something that the Lord is leading us through. doesn't matter. It's not even a focus on where it came from. Whatever challenge that we go through, whatever painful experience, whatever sifting that is happening, God can always use it for good and is for his purpose and his plan. So no matter what we're going through, whatever tribulation, whatever problem, whatever challenge, don't focus on where it came from, but focus on what God can do in the situation, despite this circumstance. Because God allows us to go through painful things. He allows us to go through them. Yeah. So we have to remember that these dark nights, it prepares us for the morning. The loss that we experience, it takes us to places of recovery. Jesus' death would actually mean our life. You know, being sifted, like what was happening to Peter, though painful, it led to a separation, but it was, it, it, and it felt unnecessary, but actually what ended up happening was it ended up becoming something that was very valuable. You know, I when I was thinking about sifting, I was thinking about a time where I used to work construction. It was my first, one of my first jobs out of high school. And uh, one of the jobs they gave me was to sift rocks. And so they gave me this huge pile of rocks and they wanted me to separate the dirt from the rocks. And so I spent about a good eight plus hours uh, sifting these rocks. And by the time I was done, I had a huge pile of dirt and a huge pile of beautiful rocks. You know, it takes a lot of time. You know, it's, it's very painful to sometimes go through that process. But you know what? When, you, when that process is done, it's amazing, the result. And I believe that that's what the Lord would be speaking to Peter. You know, you have to go through this difficult time. You have to go through some sifting, through this challenging time. It's going to kind of like do some work inside of you. But, you know, on the other side of it, uh, I have something in store that's beautiful and of and a, and a great value. So during Peter's dark night, where he would deny Jesus. Jesus leads Peter and the other uh, 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 other disciples into two activities that I think that are very important for us to take note of so that when we go through our challenging times, our sifting times, we can also participate in these activities. The first one was this. It was the story that came up right before uh, this conversation. Do you know what the story was? Do you know what the activity was? It was communion. Yeah, they took communion together. So basically what had happened was Jesus had led the disciples uh, into this man's home. It seemed like it could have been a stranger. We don't know, but somehow Jesus knew uh, who the person was. And, and they went to him and they prepared uh, this table or prepared a feast um, upstairs. They had dinner together. It was really their, their what we call the Last Supper. And then Jesus begins to lead them 
uh, into having taken communion. And so what he says is he says, and by the way, we're going to be taking communion together just for a moment. But he says, he says to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. Uh, and before I suffer, and it's really important to really uh, to capture that word, before I, before I suffer, I will tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. So after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, uh, take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink of it again for the fruit, um, fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, This is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I want to talk about something before we take communion together. And, you know, especially when it refers to the cup. You know, we do, uh, I have mentioned uh Many times that really the cup represents Jesus' blood being poured out for us, that it cleanses us of our sin, that our, the sin of our past is remembered no more. But in this context, there's something that's also very important for us to remember. The cup also had also represented suffering. Did you know that? See, Peter in the past had told Jesus that he wanted to sit at his right hand and he wanted to be with Jesus in heaven. And Jesus asked him this question, but you can you drink the cup that I drink? Jesus also prayed to the Father, if you're willing to take this cup from me. He refers to, in this verse here after, uh, he also says that um, this, this uh, I desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So, you know, the cup had representation of, what it, of, it, uh, of, of suffering. And really what it, what it meant was that Jesus, as we take the cup with him, um, he is inviting us into the fellowship of sufferings. You see, not in all situations does Jesus remove suffering, tribulations, and challenges from us. He doesn't necessarily do that. Even Jesus in his context and situation actually said, God, if, if it's possible, if you can remove this cup from me, please you know, take it away from me. See, when we drink the cup, we, we learn to understand the pain and the trial of Jesus' death. We do. That's the invitation, that we get to actually empathize and understand the death and uh, the sacrifice that he made. You see, and when we have fellowship, what this means is that he also understands the pain that we're going through, the trial and the tribulation that we're experiencing. You know, it's not like if we come to the Lord with our uh, pain, our challenges, our difficulty and we say this is what i'm going through lord it's not like he kind of minimizes it by saying well try dying on the cross you know it's like okay well compared to you jesus i really don't have anything that's not really the, the point it doesn't minimize our pain or suffering but what he does is because he has he's experienced pain he's experienced tribulation he understands he empathizes with us and what we're going through and so this fellowship what this means is that there's there's an understanding that we have with Christ about his death and his pain. And he understands our pain, our loss that we go through. That we taste and experience and empathize his pain and he tastes and, he tastes and empathizes with ours. When we drink of the cup, we're putting our pain in the context with Jesus' pain. Not to, like I said, not to minimize, but to share and be with someone who recognizes 
and understands our pain. So let's take communion together. If you have your bread with you um, and if you have the cup with you, I want to I want to take communion with you. So he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke and he gave and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So would you take the bread with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the brokenness, the sacrifice of your son, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you were willing to pay uh pay for our sins and and be and, and to sacrifice that your body would be broken that you would go through this suffering lord and so that we would um find healing that we would find wholeness that we would find uh life in you that your death meant our uh meant our new life that it would mean that we would be restored that we could be transformed and changed and made new and in the same way after uh um uh, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup and uh, saying this, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Representing, like I said, taking the cup means that we're uh, joining with him in the fellowship of sufferings, that we're participating in drinking the cup, the cup of sufferings with him. So let's take the cup together. And Heavenly Father, we thank you that you invite us into the fellowship of your sufferings, that we um, can understand more about the, the pain and the trial and the difficulty and the sacrifice that you made, that we would understand, that we would empathize with you, that you would then empathize with us, that you would understand uh, our, our challenges, our hurts, our pain, our loss. And, and Lord, we uh, also do receive that you wash us clean of our impurities, our mistakes, our sins, our past, and that you heal us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that was the first um, story or the first thing that uh, that Jesus did or, 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 or ushered the disciples in. And so taking communion, you know, I, I would strongly encourage you, if you really get something out of it, and I, I really encourage you to, to not just wait, I guess, and to, to go to church or go once a month, but take communion often, especially if you're going through some type of challenge a difficulty in your life, take communion. You can do it anytime. Like what we just did right now, you can do. You can get some something that represents the cup and something that represents the body and, and take communion. So um, the second thing that he did right after this conversation, so they, they, they had the, the supper, then they had this uh, conversation, and then after that, Jesus led the disciples to prayer. So that was the second activity. So what they did here, let me read this for you. Jesus went out as usual because he did this very often. He went to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall in temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, here's what he says, take this cup from me. Yet it's not my will, but yours be done. The angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And check this out. This is amazing. His sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he, when he arose from prayer, he went back to the disciples. And what did he find them doing? Sleeping. They were exhausted from the sorrow. He said, why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. You know, Jesus was earnest in prayer. And he led the disciples 
uh, in prayer. And it's amazing that this, it was like uh, his sweat was like droplets of blood. It, blood. it really showed this, uh, this uh, fervent prayer, this intense prayer. Uh, Jesus prayed, Lord, if you're able to take this cup from me, Father, if you can save me from what I'm about to go through, if there's another way. Jesus shows, I believe, he's showing his humanity here, desiring to not go through the pain and the testing he was about to endure, but his desire to be obedient, to fulfill God's promise, this promise to mankind for the forgiveness of sin, his desire to be obedient and to see God's uh, plan and promise to be fulfilled was greater than his uh, desire to have that cup, this uh, experience of suffering to be taken from him. You know, the, the disciples, on the other hand, is almost opposite. Jesus shows his fervent prayer. And then the, on the other side, the disciples show a sense of apathy. You know, they, they fell asleep during their prayer. And sometimes it can be easy for us to fall asleep to the spiritual things to become sort of apathetic to the to things of the Spirit. But Jesus de- demonstrates and encourages and leads us to have intense and, and fervent prayer. You know, pre, uh, prayer prevents us, and you can learn this from the Scripture, it prevents us from falling into temptation. You know, in times of difficulty, times like this, in trials, challenges that we go through, we're kind of at our weakest moments. We're, we're vulnerable in these times. That when we go through testing and trials, you know, difficult, uh, challenging times, we have the ability to, to fall into temptation. And so the Lord leads us, Jesus leads us to pray, to be people of prayer, that we would uh, not fall into temptation, that we would be listening uh, to his direction, listening to uh, his still small voice in our life. Well, we're getting ready to come up to Good Friday at the end of this week. And although Good Friday is a horrific day, if you think about you know the, that story, it's just it's, it's, a, it's a very graphic uh, 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 part of Scripture. It's a very graphic day. I, I don't know if there is one more graphic than that in all uh, of the Bible, but um, you know, it's, it's when Jesus, you know, the, the Son of God, was, was arrested, he was put on trial, he was uh, whipped with the cat of nine tails. Uh, he was drugged uh, naked through the streets. He had a crown of thorns placed on his head. He was nailed to the cross. This is a very painful imagery, but it's interesting. They don't, we don't call it Horrible Friday. We don't call it Bad Friday. We call it Good Friday. What does that mean? Why do we call that, that day good? And, and really this word good is not like, hey, everybody give a thumbs up, like, oh, it's good. It's not like that, but it's actually good meaning holy. Yeah, it's like a holy day, a holy day set apart. And really it was a holy day, a day of testing, a day of trial. It was a dark night that would lead to the resurrection and new life. Remember we had said that you need the dark night in order to have the morning you need. Uh, you, you, you need the death so that you can have the resurrection. You need to have the Friday so that you can have the Sunday. So I want to uh, declare the, the season that we are going through this time in our life, this season, uh, as a time that's set apart. It's a season, uh, uh, it's a holy time that will prepare us for God's miraculous work for God's 
uh, uh, life uh, and transformation for first miraculous works. I believe this, that in no way can we just believe that things will just kind of, this is just kind of a, a hiccup in our, our, our time and things will go back to normal. I don't believe that at all. I believe that when we have these types of valleys, types of tribulations and testing and trials, it really sets up an opportunity for God's miraculous work and for his touch. And so I believe that that's something that we can look forward to. So even though we are going through a difficult time, let's declare it as something good, set apart and holy, that God is going to do something uh, on the other side. We will see uh, his promise uh, being fulfilled and we will see not only just a light at the end of the tunnel, we'll see his light shining and doing some transformative work in our lives, our community, our city, and our world. So we can experience sorrow for the night, but we can anticipate joy in the morning. Yeah, we might experience some sorrow now, but we can look forward to joy. Amen? Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for uh, our church. I thank you for the people that are listening to this, no matter where they are. God, all of us are experiencing uh, a time of, um, of pain, of sorrow, of challenge, of tribulation, a time of testing, a time of sifting. But Lord God, we know that it's not for without your ability to, to redeem it for your purposes. And so God, we do look forward to what that is that you have for us. God, help us to remember that as we go through this valley, this desert time, that you are in it with us. Lord God, help us to look to you. Help us to trust in you. Help us to... Um, uh, a find wisdom, find strength, and ultimately recognize your presence and recognize your work, your will, and help us, Lord, to embrace it and partner with you in what you're doing. Lord God, we ask for your anointing, for your blessing, God. Many people all over that are, are, are sick, not well, Lord God, we ask for healing in Jesus' name. People that are struggling with finances, we ask that you would provide in Jesus' name, Lord God, we trust you as our healer, our helper, our provider. Lord, you are good. You are God. We trust you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I look forward to this week with you. Looking forward to Easter and uh, just looking forward to seeing the signs of new life and seeing the new life uh, in our community, in our world, and in you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week, everybody.